Thank you, Pastor Rip. Thank you, worship team. You know, I want you to know that I believe that's one of the reasons why we're in church, is for prayer time. And I know that we might think, well, we're taking 10, 15 minutes to pray. So what? That's good. That's why we're here. (laughs) I mean, that's awesome. So thank you for being bold enough to express your needs and having enough faith to know that it makes a difference to pray. It really does. It makes a difference when you ask God because he is faithful, always faithful to bring the answer that he knows is best for our situation. So I'm appreciative of that. Thank you, Pastor Rip. Thanks for being here today. For our visitors, it's great to see you. And uh, we're just so glad you're here with us. So today we want to continue on the path that we've been on. The theme of our messages over the past, well, since the beginning of the year, is really what it means to live a successful Christian life. And uh, we've been through uh, a number of messages about it. And, and just real quickly, um, we talked the first thing about the significance and importance about being a part of a local church and why that's important to Jesus and why it's important to us to be part of a local body of believers. And then we talked about the importance of developing a consistent and a persistent prayer life because that's the way God ordains the way he communicates to us is through prayer. And then we talked about how important it is that we listen very carefully and we pay attention to the truths that we already know so that we don't drift away. It's so easy to drift away in this current culture of our society that is so evil and so confusing and full of deception. And if we're not listening carefully and paying attention to the truth that's already planted in us, it's easy to drift. And then we talked about how important it is to be accountable, to be accountable to God's word and to be accountable to people. And then last week we talked about as we prepare to run the race, we talked about in Hebrews chapter 12, which is our text again today, the verse three verses, and that how we are to run the race. But before we start the race, we're to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily and so easily entangles us. And not only there's there's sins that can disqualify us from even beginning to run the race, let alone finishing the race. And obviously we need to throw those sins off. But then we have many hindrances that come our way that aren't necessarily sinful, but yet they are a hindrance to our race. And quite often those hindrances can become stumbling blocks to other people and how important it is that we don't allow hindrances to become stumbling blocks. And uh, so all these messages are online. If you want to listen to any of them, they're on a Facebook page. You're welcome to go back and catch up to where we're going. Today, we're going to continue to talk about Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to be talking about today, and that is how do we run to win? How do we run to win? Our goal is to finish the race. Hopefully, we'll finish well. Winning is its own definition, and we'll talk about a little bit about that later. But before we can begin to run the race to win, we need to make sure that we have our destination clearly defined. If we don't have our destination set in our mind, and if we don't have the race course implanted in our mind, we're going to start off running and maybe in the wrong direction. And then you're going to spend a lot of time trying to get back on the course. So we have to make sure that we run the right direction. It doesn't do any good to start running if you're not running in the right direction. Right? I mean, if you want to go to Traverse City, don't head to Petoskey. 
<laughs> because it ain't going to do any good to go to Petoskey if you want to go to Traverse City. They're opposite directions. You can be running really hard to Petoskey, but you're never going to get to Traverse City if you're going that direction. Unless you run a long way <laughs> around the world, but that's ridiculous. So anyway, turn in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. This is our text today, and let's read our text together. Stand with me, if you will. And let's read in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. Wow, there's so much here. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day today. First of all, thank you for the sunshine. Thank you, Lord, that it brings joy in our heart just to see that sun shining out there and know the warmth is coming. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you for this word today. I pray, Lord, that you give us strength for us, what we're going to glean out of this today. And I pray that our hearts and minds would be open to hear and receive what you have in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to look specifically at this portion of the passage that says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This is going to help us set our direction of the race that we're to run, which is the journey of our life. So we're going to talk about three specific things. Number one, we're going to run with determination and perseverance. Number two, we're we're going to run the course that's marked out for us. And number three, we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. So I'm going to work backwards on this list today so that we can have the assurance that we're running in the right direction in the first place because it's as we fix our eyes on Jesus that gives us the focus of our race. No matter where I'm at in the race course, I want to keep my eyes on Jesus because when I do, then I know I'm going the right direction. He's the compass, if you will, of my race. And I want to keep my eyes focused on him. You know, it's a known fact that when we drive a car, we tend to go where we're looking. If you're driving down the road and you happen to see a car along the side of the road... And if you focus on that car along the side of the road, notice what's going to happen. You're going to tend to want to veer into that car. That's just what happens. We, we go where we're focused. So yes, we're to scan the road and, you know, and, and scan it, but you were never to focus on the things that we don't want to hit. In fact, a quote from a driver safety, actually drive, um, it's, it's how to, drivesafety.net. It's, it's, if you want to teach yourself how to drive, here's the quote. It says, Hang on, where did it go? Maybe I don't have it out. I don't have it there. But but I'm going to read it to you. Many times you'll hear this driver tip referred to as aiming high in steering. What what does that mean? It means don't make your steering adjustments based on what is directly in front of you. Instead, look way down the road. Way down the road because we don't want to be driving into the thing that is stopped alongside of the road. You want to look down the road, okay? Another good example 
and this is being Super Bowl Sunday, this is a great example for us, and that is that how do you throw a ball? Or if you're Jackie Bogue, how do you throw an axe? <laughs> There's a story there. Ask Jackie about how she throws an axe, right? But if you're, if you're going to throw a ball, you have to fix your eyes on where you're throwing it. Now you watch tonight. If you watch the Super Bowl, watch Patrick Mahomes or uh, Jalen Hunt, uh, Hurts and watch them. Because they will often look the defense off, look this direction, but before they throw where they really want to throw, they always have to look where they're throwing the ball. It's interesting. You watch a quarterback, watch his helmet turn, and you'll know where the ball's going because where the helmet goes is where the ball's going. That's just what we have to do. In a similar way, the writer of Hebrews says that if we're going to win the Christian race, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus because that's where we're going to go. Where your eyes are fixed is where you're going to go. Now, if we're focused on Christ along this race that we're running, he will allow us, he will help us to keep our ourselves away from the distractions that this world brings. You know what I'm talking about? How easy is it to get distracted and run off course by the things of this world that would want to take our attention, that would want to suck up our time? And we need to keep our eyes focused on Christ because he alone is our target. We want to hit him. We want to go through Christ. So as a runner in a race, we're to keep focused on the finish line. Now, if it's a 100-yard race, if you're a sprinter, it's easy to see the finish line. It's a 100 yards down the road. It's a football field away. Or I guess in today's world, it's 110 meters. You can tell that I'm an old guy because when I was a sprinter, it was 100 yards. Today, it's 110 meters or 100 meters. Is that what it is? 100 meters, which is 110 yards or something like that. So I'm just an old guy. But if you're running in a marathon, you don't see the end of the race. I mean, it's 26 point something miles away, and you can't see the end of the race. You just have to trust that there is a finish line. You have to trust that as you as you start off, you have to trust and believe that at some point I'm going to finish the race. And it takes some trust. And you have to know that you have to then persevere in the race, even if you don't see the finish line in this marathon. And that's kind of the way it is with Christ. We must persevere and be sure that we have a destination that it's worth getting to. And we don't want to waste a lot of time running around in circles if we're not making good progress towards our destination. The best way to make your race the most efficient and effective is to keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He represents the finish line in your life. He's there waiting for us, but you know, he was also there at the beginning of the race too. That's the beautiful thing about Christ. He meets us wherever we're at. No matter where you're at, no matter what mile marker you are on the race, Christ is with you, and he's there leading you, and he's ahead of you. And as we keep our eyes on Christ, it helps us to be efficient, and it helps us to know that we're never going to be left alone in the middle of the race. My Bible commentary says it this way. Jesus is at the beginning and at the finish of our race of faith. The fact that he is the author and perfecter of our faith means that our faith begins in him and is completed in him. 
The Apostle Paul understood that when he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, he said, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Far outweighs what? Far outweighs the problems in life. Our light and momentary troubles, they may, they may not seem light and momentary right now, but when you look at them from eternity's perspective, they will have looked like light and momentary. And, and the glory that's coming to us far outweighs all of our problems. And he goes on to say, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? Is eternal, forever. So we focus our eyes on eternity. So how do we do this? How do we effectively keep our eyes focused on Jesus every day of our life? Well, we focus on Jesus through trust. We have to trust that Jesus came to sacrifice his life for us so that we can be saved by accepting his sacrifice of sin that he paid in the cross for us. That happens in our day of salvation. That's the easy part But how do we continue to trust in him? You see, after a day of salvation, we are to become disciples of Christ. Disciples of Christ. That means we're to learn of him. We're to study him. And this can become a little more difficult, and it can be a little more demanding on us, because trusting in Jesus means that we are committing ourselves and dedicating ourselves entirely to him. This requires an all-in attitude. That we are to put our complete confidence in what Jesus says and what the Bible says. And that we are to believe that what he says is true, no matter what our flesh man says, or no matter what the society around us says. John eight thirty one through 32, it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We sang about that this morning, isn't it? How good it is to have the truth of Jesus set us free from our past. Obedience and trusting in Jesus is the only way. Listen, it's the only way we can truly prove to him that we love him. Think about that. John twenty fifteen through 17. If you love me, Jesus says this. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. And then he goes on a little bit further in that same chapter, verse, 20, uh, chapter, verse 23. He says, Jesus replied, all you who love me will do what I say. Again, do you see what Jesus is saying? If you love me, you will hear me, you will listen to me, and then you will obey me. Now, is that okay for Jesus to say that? Is it okay for God to give us requirements like that? I mean, how else do we prove that we love him unless we obey him? If we hear his words and he says, do something, and I don't do it, well, then what does it mean? Let's go on. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and will come and make our home with each of them. Here it is. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. You want to know if you love Jesus? Do you obey him? Are you reading the word? Are you listening? When he says something, when God's words clearly says it, are you obeying it? 
That's a good test for you and me to know if I really love him. Because if I love him, I do what? I obey him. Makes sense. Anybody lost yet? All right, good. So trusting in and obeying God's word is one of those things that help us keep on throwing off the things that hinder us in our race. Another way that we trust in Jesus is by being committed to do his will. Committed to doing his will. The best example of this is Jesus. Jesus shows us how he was committed to doing the will of his heavenly father. And because of that, that's why we can trust him. Because Jesus just didn't say, do what I say. Jesus says, do what I did. Do what I did. Show, I will show you the way because I will show you that I was committed to following my Father's will like I'm asking you to do. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7, it says, That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings. In other words, he's trying, what he's doing, he's preparing the way of getting a rid, going, Stepping away from the Old Testament sacrifices, animal sacrifices. Now, Jesus is the new covenant of the New Testament. And now he doesn't do away with the Old Testament. No, what's he doing? He's fulfilling the Old Testament. He is becoming the sacrifices that God was requiring of the people of the day in the Old Testament of animal sacrifices. Jesus was saying, no, I will be the sacrifice. You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the scriptures. Now, I'm not sure that we really appreciate how much Jesus had to suffer and sacrifice to do his father's will. I mean, we may look at it and say, well, Jesus was God. Yes, but he was also fully man. He was fully God and fully man. Do I understand that? No. It's one of those things I trust. Maybe someday he'll explain to me how he could do that, but he was fully man and fully God at the same time. Jesus felt every temptation that I feel, every temptation that you feel, Jesus felt it, and he understood the significance of what it mean, of what it meant to not sin even in the temptation. But fast forward to a time that becomes obvious to us more about really how much Jesus had to sacrifice. And this is what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 44. This is Jesus. He says, He he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Now stop here for a minute. What cups he talking about? He's talking about the fact that Jesus knew he had to die. And not just die, he had to be violently die, killed. He had to be beaten beyond recognition. He had to have his beard pulled out from his, plucked from his face. He had to have a crown of thorns shoved on his head that made blood run down his face. He needed to be whipped with a, a, a whip of nine tails, which meant that at the end of the whip, it was braided into other straps of, of leather, and they would have stones and sharp bone and metal objects under, those, under that whip. And so when the, 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 the guard would whip him and strike it across his back, the bone or the, the, the balls would cause internal damage, break bones, 
hurt, hurt organs. The sharp stone or the 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 uh, bones would rip skin from his back. I mean, his back was totally. He was filleted. He wasn't just beaten. I don't think we fully comprehend how many have seen the Passion. So one of the hardest things to watch was the beating, and I don't think that did it justice, as bad as it was. I mean, we don't have any idea truly what Jesus did for us. Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, I've been in some stressful situations, but I've never sweat drops of blood. And that's a medical condition. That it's known that if there's that much stress, that the capillaries by the sweat glands can burst and you can actually sweat blood. Dr. Gill knows that. Not that you've experienced it, but you know it because you're a doctor. You've been through that on teaching. So I think, let me just say this. I think Jesus understands what it means to be committed to do the will of his Father. Amen? He understands it. And we could go on more and more and talk about things like that. But I want to talk now about what does it mean that we run the course that is marked out for us. What does this mean? You know, so many times we can read God's word and we can skip over little passages like this and not really think or see the, see the significance of what this means. I think this is something that's vitally important for us to understand and never forget that as a runner of the race, listen, as a runner of the race, the runner doesn't have the privilege, nor the right, nor the authority, nor the power to define the race course. What's your job? To run the race. Your job's not to define it. Your job is not to lay it out. People have done that in advance in front of you already. Your job now is to run the race. And this is where I think the world really gets it messed up when the Christian race that we're on. Because the world as we know it is not the way God originally intended it to be. We know this. We've been through this multiple times. Satan, God's enemy, and man's mortal enemy, was given dominion by man of the world 6,000 plus years ago in the Garden of Eden. God had a plan set up for this world. Man was designed to live in it forever, perfectly, healthy, eternally, and man gave it away. He gave it to Satan. And we know that story. The devil was very cunning and very deceitful in how he convinced Adam and Eve to give up what God had designed for them. I like the way Dr. Michael Yusuf explains it this way in his book, The Perfect Antidote. And he said, this is how Satan, listen, this is how Satan applies a fresh coat of paint to cloak his ancient schemes. (laughs) Michael Yusuf says this, and so it goes today. Satan neutralizes the power of the word of God by mantras of postmodern thinking. Truth is relative. Morality is obsolete. Authority as a concept concept is outdated. Honesty is for fools. The pursuit of truth is meaningless. Have you heard that? See, Satan is very good at continuing to alter the course God has determined for men to run in order to come back into relationship with God. Satan is very good at continuing to alter the course. 
He doesn't want us to run the race that God has marked out for us. He wants us to change it. So it's no surprise that man's flesh is always trying to find their own way. We're trying to redefine the race. When it gets hard or something comes to me that challenges my fleshly desires, what are we tempted to do? Change the rules. Widen the boundaries. Or am I the only guy that's tempted to do that? Anybody else tempted to do that in me? If you are, would you raise your hand? Let me know if I'm right or wrong. Are you tempted to change the rules? Only three people? Oh my gosh, you guys are perfect. All right, thank you. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end leads to death. Proverbs 19.21, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You see, there's many more scriptures here that would talk about this, but we can uncover and discuss the ways that the enemy is constantly trying to get us to alter the path of God's word. It's the pride of life that mankind has inherited from Satan that we don't, that we don't need God, that we can do it our own way. Has anybody heard the song from Frank Frank Sinatra titled, I Did It My Way? Listen to the words. And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain My friend I'll make it clear I'll state my case Of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I've traveled each and every highway And more, much more than this I did it I did what I had to do I saw it through Without exemption I planned each charted course Each careful step Along my way And more, much more I did it
Think about what you just heard. What those words say? Did it make you feel good about yourself? See, who do we think we are? Do we think we really have the power and authority to do life my way and still finish the race? that would say, God, at the end, he says, I'm pleased with you. You see, we just read that there's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. And there's many scriptures. You could research, go to Proverbs, throughout Proverbs and other verses, many passages that talk to us about how foolish we are to think that we can define our course the way we want to run our course. And that God's going to be happy when we reject his son and all that he's done for us. See, mankind, we don't have the right, nor the authority, nor the power to create or change the path of salvation. Understand this. This is what the Bible says. There's only one correct path. There's only one entity that can define it, and that is God. John fourteen six. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way, period. Drop the mic. He's the only way. But yet this world has all kinds of diverging paths that say, hey, they all lead to God. Well, let me tell you a little secret. There's enough truth there to say, yes, they all lead to God. But what's he going to say when he sees you at the end? Is he going to say, well done, thou good and faithful. You accepted my son. You were you are a good steward of the things that I gave you. Welcome into the kingdom of God. Or is he going to say to you, I don't know you. You're consigned to hell forever and ever. Yes, you're going to see God at the end. But what's he going to say? Now this takes us to the first point. We run with determination and, in pers- and with pr- perseverance. Now that we've got the direction of our run, of our path figured out, and we have the knowledge of the course, 
How do we run? How do we run this path? You see, it only makes sense that once we're ready to run, now we have to be determined to win the race at any cost. Knowing it's a long race, which it is, it's not a sprint, that we begin at a pace that we can maintain. Let me tell you a quick little story. When I was oh, a sophomore, maybe in junior in high school, I can't remember. Well, it must have been a sophomore before I got hurt. Um, I was going to run a half-mile race. I told you last week that I ran a mile one time, and at the end of the mile I threw up at the goalpost. I never ran a mile again. Well, I did get snookered into running a half-mile. So anybody knows Scott Boss? We were, we were buddies in high school. And uh, so we were going to run the race, and neither one of us had run the race a half-mile before. And um, so we lined up on the, fin- on the starting line, and we took off at a really good pace for a 100-yard dash. <laughs> and we got out there, and we got way ahead. And so we're running side by side, and we're, and, and we're looking. And it says, this is easy, Scott. We're going to win this race. And we ran the first lap, and we did pretty good. And we're still ahead. But, boy, it got down to that last half of that last lap, and all of a sudden my legs started to feel like rubber. I could hardly pick him up. And Scott's dragging too, and we're both sitting there panting. And all of a sudden, we got passed. Boom. Another guy passed us. Another. We came in last. And now the race was, I'm going to beat Scott. <laughs> that was another time I almost threw up. But that was, that. Was, we were laughed at. Gary Stussman was our coach, and he laughed. And Dave Moyer. And they knew what they had done to us because they knew we were stupid. And it was just a way to teach us a lesson, I think. But here's the here's deal. You have to run the race at a pace you can maintain. A lot of people start off the Christian walk and they sprint. And I'm not opposed to that, but just understand there's a long race ahead. Lots of things to learn along the way. So we've heard the story. We've heard the old saying, slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady wins the race. And you know, I think there's truth to that. There's wisdom in that phrase. But understand that slow and steady does not mean without passion or without persistence or without intentional direction. Slow and steady doesn't mean lazy. It doesn't mean that I can be sloppy. Because you know what? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that if I don't remember, if I don't keep listening to the things that I've already known, then what happens? I drift away. Drifting away is not something that we intentionally do. I don't believe anybody starts their Christian life thinking that they want to fail. I don't think anybody starts off anything thinking they want to fail. But if we're not careful and diligent along the way, through our negligence... And maybe laziness, we can drift off the course. So slow and steady wins the race, but we have to be passionate in it. We have to be intentional in it. We need to be persistent in it. Amen? Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says this at verse 35. He says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now. So that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and he will not delay. You see, the the course that we're on, the race that we're on, it's not over till it's over. Or as the other saying goes, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. (laughs) Or the fat man. 
We run the race until the race is completed. We don't quit along the way thinking, God, I've done enough. I've done, no, we race, we work, we stay diligent till the day that the Lord takes us home or the rapture happens. We want to finish well, finish strong. Stay committed to what you're doing. Don't give up. Don't be lazy. Remember, this race is really not a race to say how fast we can win it. No, it's not an issue of how fast. What it really is, is how can I complete the course marked out for me that will allow me to finish the race? And I know, guys, I know, I'm winning it with you. I know this race can be exhausting, and it's going to take a lot of hard work to win it and to finish it. I know that. This isn't meant to discourage you at all, but it's a fact of reality that you need to be aware and understand that when the hard times come, you need to have persistence. You need to have perseverance. You need to have patience. It's too tempting to give up. Or look for a shortcut. If we're not consistently saying that we're going to run the race marked out for us. You see, the enemy is so aware of this fact that he throws all kinds of false teachings along our way. You see, you might look at it and think about it. Well, if it's not easy, then maybe I'm not doing it right. If it's not easy, maybe I don't have enough faith. If I'm sick and not being healed, then why is that? Then it's got to be my problem, or I don't have enough faith, or God doesn't really love you after all because you're going through hard times. See, this is the devil bringing all kinds of lies to you. Religion is not for you. It might work for some people, but not for you. Listen, the truth of it is that the Bible never said running the race was going to be easy. I challenge you to find any scripture that says it's easy. You will find many to say that it's worth it. And you will even hear ones that will say, Jesus said that my burden is light and my yoke is easy. But a yoke is placed on a beast of burden, a burden of beast, a beast of burden. A yoke is placed on an ox that is meant to work. It means you have to do some work in the process. Yeah, you're going to work hard. So don't let your faith get shaken when the hard times come. We have to press in and persevere in order to finish and finish well. I love it what Paul says in Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached the perfection, but I, here it is, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus has possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Listen, see, I focus. He's focusing on Jesus. And how is he doing this? Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling me. That's our prayer. That's the way we need to pray as Paul prayed. The journey through life Sometimes it seems like it goes fast. In fact, for us that are older, you know, if you look back to when you were a child, man, this life has flown by, hasn't it? But yet the days ahead can drag on. And it can seem like it's never going to get there. But rest assured that as we proactively prepare ourselves to run the race and run it to win it, that there's a great reward. And the most amazing part about this reward is that it's for everybody. 
I mean, it's, God is not limited by just giving one person the prize. No, we're all going to win the prize. We're going to win it if we stay in it. And the better I run the race, that means the more people I'm going to take with me to, to, to the finish line. It means I'm going to work hard. That's part of running the race. I'm going to work hard to bring others with me. I'm going to evangelize. I'm going to teach. I'm going to live my life in front of people that I'm not a hindrance, that I'm not a stumbling block. Know that I am leading them as Christ leads me. The Apostle Paul, in his last letter to his spiritual son Timothy, said this just before he died. I love this. You know, Second Timothy is one of my favorite chapters because, you know, when we get to the end of life, people say the things that are most important to them. And this is what Paul said to Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. He says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And here it is, not only to me but also to all of those who longed for his appearing. In other words, Paul says that God has in store for him the righteousness and the prize of heaven, enough for all of us that long for his returning. The question is, are we longing, longing for his returning? Are we longing for his returning? That's another judgment. That's another way you can measure your faith, your Christianity. Are you so comfortable in this world that you don't really want Christ to come back? Are you so comfortable in what we own here that our life is so good? I've got a new car, a new home. I'm, I'm happy. I've got grandkids. I've got everybody here. I don't want to go to heaven because I've got too much to live for here. Well, can I tell you, you're not keeping your eyes focused on Jesus if that's your focus. Because soon those things will let you down. Your car will get old. Your grandkids will grow up and not want to be around you anymore. <laughs> that's just what happens. Right When they're cute and cuddly, they want to be around Grandpa. Enjoy it, Pam and Lynn, while you're here. But once they grow up, they say, no, you're, uh, you're old-fashioned now. Right. So the point is, those things will fail us, but Christ never will. We keep our focus on Christ. We keep our eyes on Him. This life will be full, and eternity will be fuller as we keep our Christ, our faith on on. On him. Now, I played a song to you for a minute ago from Frank Sinatra. That would be the, the anthem, if you will, of the world. In fact, I even heard him introduce it one time as, as the anthem. But I want to play another song for you that I think this should be our Christian anthem. So I face a brighter future He said he'd come again And take me home in his great rapture But I'd lived a life of sin So much that I could never have paid Oh, more Much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets, I'd had a few, so all my sin to him I mentioned. He led me to his word and 
when I heard of his redemption, his good plan for my life brought gratitude. Now all I can say, precious Lord, thank you for this. I'll do it, God's way. Yes, there'll be times I'm sure he knew when I'll bite off more than I can chew. But through it all, when I face doubt, I'll call on him and he'll work it out. Jesus faced it all. Jesus put an end to losing Because for me he died The devil lied So now I'm choosing To think he did all that And may I say No, not in a shy way Oh no not me. I'll do it God's way. For what is a man? What has he got? If he don't have his soul, then he has not to say the words he truly feels. He's not a pray. Father, forgive us. Forgive us when we've done it our way. Thank you. Thank you for providing Jesus for us to be that sacrifice. Oh, Lord, let us really appreciate all that he did. All that he suffered for us. And, Lord, I pray that we would choose to follow you the way he did. That we would never be tempted to walk the path of my flesh, even though it seems so inviting at times to think that I can control my own destiny, to think that I can do it my way, is a trick of the enemy. It's worked on so many people. It's worked on this world for so long. But, God, we declare that it's not going to take root here, that we are going to focus on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
We're going to talk about that more, but God, I pray right now that we would just look at our lives. And Father, for each one of us here today, that if we've done it our own way, would you bring a conviction of the Holy Spirit into us that would convict us, that would change us, that would let us know that you're not pleased when we think we can do it our way, that we're trying to change the course that you've marked out for us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you do what you do best. You bring conviction first, and then after we've received that conviction and we've received Jesus, that you bring us comfort. So right now, while you're praying and your eyes are closed, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. Maybe you have before. And maybe those listening have as well. But I want to give you an opportunity afresh and anew to declare your allegiance to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you, even maybe this is the first time or maybe the tenth time, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand to Jesus and let him know that you choose him. If you're, if you're willing to do that, raise your hand. I see the hands. I see him. That's right. We do this because we're, we're convicted of daily sins. We're convicted because we choose so many times our own path. And I'm not saying that you're bad people when you do that. I'm just saying that's the reality of life. And we need to have a brokenness and a willingness in our spirit that we would go back to Jesus on a regular daily basis and say, Forgive me again, Father, and help me not to repeat that repeated sin. And for that, we can have the hope and assurance that we truly have Jesus. He is the author and perfecter. He's perfecting us as we won our race. Amen? Amen. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for the promise. Now, I pray, God, as we go to our homes today, I pray that as we leave this place, I pray, God, that that song would stick in our mind the way that we're going to do it God's way. God, that we want to sacrifice and serve you to our fullest intent. And we celebrate in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Do it God's way.